Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Crypto Economy Podcast. Today, I'm very excited to have Akash from Haven One to tell us a little bit about his new digital identity service. So, Akash, thank you so much for being here. Uh, it's great to be here. Um, so, I was just telling Akash actually that I had my phone stolen this weekend. So, digital identity is top of mind for me. I think uh, once you realize that uh, your whole your whole world is sitting on your phone and you start trying to get back into that world, you realize how difficult it is and how hard it is to prove to people at T-Mobile or wherever else who you are is who you actually are and even harder to do that if you can't show up in person. So uh, I'd love to hear about how Akash and his company are trying to solve some of these roadblocks and make it more seamless experience for crypto in particular. So Akash, it'd be great if you could maybe just tell the audience a little bit about yourself and just a very brief overview of what Haven One is hoping to do. Sure. Um, you know, so I got involved in the crypto space around, I think, early 2017. So um, it's about six years now, but, um, you know, in crypto terms, it's about 60 years. <laughs> um, yeah, initially, I became hooked after the first Bitcoin hard fork. Um, just just found some new, uh, I think it's Bitcoin Cash tokens in my wallet. And I was like, didn't really know what was happening. But then after after I got some uh, extra air, that airdrop, I kind of started learning more about the tech and how everything works. Um, I built a you know a strong crypto network. Um, you know during the 2018 2019 bear market, joined Discord communities and kind of made some valuable connections that way. And many of those people I met uh, back in that bear the, the, you know the the big the big bear market uh, of uh, 18 19 is I still have I uh, maintain those connections uh, to this day. Um, yeah, that started, uh, you know, dipping my toes into space by exploring DAOs. We created like our own DAO investment fund, um, and then COVID hit. So um, I utilized uh, a lot of my spare time uh, from COVID work from home. At that time, I was a child protection lawyer for the uh, Department of Justice, um, but you know, slowly started, you know, spending more and more, more and more of my time uh, doing crypto things, and yeah, fully transitioned to the blockchain blockchain space after. Um, Realizing that the uh, working in a law office wasn't really the right fit for me. Um, so yeah, then uh, my first kind of proper job in uh, the space was working um, in a decentralized insurance startup based out of Austin, Texas. Uh, that gave me sort of sold, sold insights on the, you know, how risk management worked in DeFi and um, how, how we really quantify risk um, in different DeFi protocols or just, you know, different, um, uh, different uh, tokens as, as well in general. Um, that's kind of... That, that initial knowledge I've learned from there has, you know, been pretty uh, pretty effective in um, avoiding all the pitfalls in, in the current DeFi space, given that there's so many. Uh, eventually, I joined the uh, the DeFi uh, portfolio and risked my yield app. Uh, you know, we, we deployed a lot of capital in the space, especially during the, the bull market uh, of, uh, you know, the 2021-2022 period. And, yeah, we, we had a really good relationship with um, the CEO, Tim Frost. Um, and from there, that's how uh, Haven One originally started. So, at working at the Risk and DeFi portfolio team at YieldApp, we developed a comprehensive 135-point risk model which focused on smart contracts and uh, took into account, you know, all the historical data on the DeFi exposure and attack vectors. We would speak to institutional capitals along the capital along the way, you know, the uh, the likes of JP Morgan, BlackRock, Goldman Sachs, as they all explored the blockchain ecosystems. All of these institutions, uh, you know, expressed interest in deploying on-chain, but faced concerns regarding uh, the counterparty risk, essentially, because you, you don't know who's taking the other side of the trade. You don't want to mix capital with, um, 
people who've done sort of malicious activities or, you know, or people who are trying to, you know, money launder or, or those kind of things. And that, that's really how Haven One initially uh, started. It was born out of the recognition that there needs to be a more sensible on-chain finance solution for everyday people and businesses to benefit from decentralized technologies. Um, and basically, you know, summing it up in, in a couple of sentences, Haven One is an EVM compatible blockchain that provides guard, guardrails around risk, security, compliance, and uh, liquidity for, you know, the best of both Web 2 and Web 3 world. Uh, yeah, so it's kind of, it's, it's been a bit of a journey and uh, we're here kind of trying to build uh, something which is essentially increasing the pie uh, or, or bringing more users in, bringing more liquidity in rather than trying to steal or, you know, trying to siphon liquidity users from the current uh, very tiny ecosystem that we have, have in blockchain at the moment. Yep, that makes sense. And so would you say your target market is more the larger institutions than the average small user? Or do you need all of the, you know, smaller users to be the counterparties to those larger institutions? So uh, we're targeting both. I mean, we are very retail focused as well. Um, so there's, I think, something around 2 billion plus lost lost uh, in, in DeFi in the past two years. That was a really good analysis by... Um, uh, and piece by chain analysis indicating how much money has been really lost in the space. Now, I worked in risk in DeFi for three years. I can't quantify all the risks. I don't know all the risks. And I've been working in the space for such a long time uh, compared to most people. Now, how can you expect the mum and dad investors or the new entrants coming into the market or even even just people who've been using DeFi or you know centralized exchanges for a while to quantify risks on chain? I, it's just it's just not possible. There's, I mean, even established protocols such as Curve Finance had a uh, zero day hack about, um, I think it was about a couple of months ago now. Balancer, who's been you know part of the uh, DeFi uh, blue chip DeFi uh, um, uh, consider, uh, considered protocols for for such a long time, they've had about three or you know two or three vulnerabilities uh, this year, and a lot a lot of people have lost money. So. I don't understand like how we can expect more and more people to come into Web3 when there are all these underlying risk issues um, in our current ecosystem. Um, and that, that's what that so we, we do want to have like a safe place for even the retail people to um, or, or everyday users uh, to to transact on chain with some uh, level of guardrails. Um, yeah, that, that's something we're very clear about. We're not calling it DeFi. It's called Haven One's on chain finance. So we, we're kind of taking the best out of the web two worlds and the best out and the transparency out of the web three worlds to put it in a new chain. And that's something we're very clear about as well, that we're not competing with Ethereum. We're not competing with Solana because they're all public blockchains. We, we're kind of more of a, um, a secure, you know, a, a safeguarded ecosystem, which is compliant, you know, that's on chain, that's on chain verification and a bunch of other things that we're doing to kind of protect those people, but also, you know, just, just provide like a, a place where, Everyone can uh, transact without, uh, you know, um, complete, uh, sweating every single day on, the, you know, the, the, the funds are going to get hacked and what's going to happen to their uh, capital uh, when they've deployed it. So what do you exactly do you mean by on-chain verification? Is that like an ID upload? Is that like, you know, a phone number like I sign up for with T-Mobile where if my phone gets stolen, I call them up and I'm like, here's my identity. <laughs> this is really me. You know, what does that look like in your system? Uh, so, it's the Haven One incorporates a provable identity framework. Um, all Haven One users 
including application builders, will be required to complete identity verification, uh, which you know, which adhere to KYC AML standards before executing any transactions on chain. Only you know when you get a confirmation of the identity verification and you're given a you know a country ID, which will be stored on chain to um, you know uh, through a provable identity uh, uh, NFT. Uh, once you once you receive that NFT, only then you can transact on chain. Uh, what this does is it gives assurance that all on-chain actions are compliant and performed by known actors. Um, it also allows for dispute resolution and uh, you know fund restoration in the event of wrongdoing or improper conduct. And this also has a huge benefit to developers because developers will be able to restrict users from certain countries or allow only you know whitelist uh, users from certain countries for the for the DApp. This has been like a ongoing issue. Of, I mean, will be will become a super um, important issue in Europe when you know with, with the how Meek is coming in. That there's, I mean, some other countries will uh, have similar kind of frameworks which are implemented in. Um, that you need to kind of adhere to on chain. If you if you want to be fully like compliant and fully regulated, let's say if you're like you know, a German developer who's uh, you know wants to put. Um, uh, let's say real world assets on chain, and uh, you know, or or you're, you're an American kind of developer who wants to put uh, treasury bills on chain. Now, you you can't enable any of those activities on public blockchains. Uh, what you need to really do is you need to be able to pick and choose or restrict certain users or allow certain users only uh, to use the applications. Like if you want to, like I, I can't, I don't think I can just rock up to uh, you know a. Uh, and buy treasury on uh, T bills on chain to for to any uh for, for any protocol. I need to be, I think, verified as a accredited investor. I I can be you know I need to be um uh, from a certain country most likely. I actually don't know the exact exact rules, but yeah. So you can do that on Haven One because when I uh, verify myself on chain, it'll be certain. Uh, you know I'll receive a country ID as part of my NFT. Uh, so you know I'm from Australia, so um, um, my NFT will uh, my my identification will um, show that I'm from Australia. Uh, if I want to do like a high level accredited um, verification, I'm able to do so, um, and it'll show that on my verification level as well. So if I'm a developer, I can only uh, I'll be have the opportunity to allow you know Australians only to transact on chain. I have the opportunity to like allow or disallow only accredited accredited level like you know level three investors, for example, on chain. So yeah, it's very kind of developer friendly on um, what you can really do with this, uh, you know, proof of framework. And it does, does provide assurance that the developers themselves won't get in, uh, have any issues with OFAC or, you know, the, the uh, relevant authorities in Europe when they, um, uh, you know, when the, given that uh, everyone is, all on-chain actions will be, you know, performed by compliant and uh, known actors. Yep, that makes, that makes perfect sense. So. I think the accredited investor thing is super interesting just from being someone who starts a lot of startups. I know that it's very difficult to verify that or at least to create, you know, a system that makes it super easy for those people to come together in one place and, you know, move money around. And that's kind of uh, one of the main hurdles in U.S. regulation and all these ICOs is uh, they're really not checking for any of that. And if they did, then it would be legal and it'd probably be more efficient than <laughs> what what the current market is doing right now. So I think that's very neat. Um, when you talk about you know uh, investors being able to use it, is it 
native to Ethereum. I know you said EVM compatible. Or I saw also like a Solana wallet pop up. Is this, you know, are you building sort of the rails um, for other tokens to be traded on top of your platform? Or is it going to be a native token that uh, other tokens are going to be swapped into first? So it is a layer one blockchain that we are building. Um, just a little bit about the tech. Um, we're using you know, Haven One's design using GoCorum, which is you know open source open source blockchain platform, um, which was created by JP Morgan, and then it's been currently managed by Consensus. So and we work close closely working with the Consensus team every week to upgrade and improve the client. Um, only through this like you know GoCorum can we create a blockchain network that's fully flexible and has an I suppose an expressive permissions management system. Um, so if you want to sort of, yeah, we'll be connected to other chains through, of course, our, our compliant bridge that we that, that we run ourselves. Um, we will have a lot of, you know, if you mentioned Solana and other assets, we will have a lot of uh, bridged assets onto our chain, but our bridge is, is not like the current bridges, which are, seem to get exploited, you know, every single week. We're using uh, Fireblocks as our custodians. So, which is like an institutional grade custodian. So if you want to bridge assets onto Haven One, they're stored in, uh, they'll be stored in uh, five blocks managed wallets. Uh, that's, you know, that's probably the one of the highest level securities in uh, DeFi um, or, or, you know, entire crypto ecosystem. Um, all assets are going to be verifiable on chain. So you'll be able to see like the wallets, which, uh, you know, won't be like a SBF FTX situation where you can kind of make up these numbers because we're using we'll be using Chainlink's proof of reserve system. All that's to be will be verified one to one, twenty four seven. But yeah, essentially, you know, if if you want to kind of, we'll, we'll have number, when we do launch, we'll have a number of whitelisted assets, such as, of course, you know, all the major uh, currencies, all the major stable coins, all the major L one tokens, and whatnot. Uh, you'll be able to bridge them onto Haven One. Uh, we'll be providing liquidity for all those tokens. You know, if you want to kind of and our own products as well that you can use them in. So it will be open, uh, I mean, certain whitelisted assets at the start, but yeah, of course, the plan is to inc keep increasing that as time goes on so we can, uh, you know, have if, uh, enough liquidity, enough kind of trade opportunities and uh, participation for uh, uh, everyone that needs to kind of use Haven One. Makes sense. So how would you describe your uh, interactions with Yield App and do you have any other partners uh, who you might be looking at uh, who would be a similar fit? Sure. So yeah, Yield App's essentially incubating Haven One. Um, there's completely separate teams now, but uh, when we did first start, they were kind of, we were kind of working together to um, uh, essentially they were giving us a lot of their uh, expertise and um, their you know their, their connections in uh, building up Haven One. Um, currently, you know, uh, we have separate teams, but we do kind of work very closely together. Um, Yield App's, of course, you know, uh, one of the it was, you know, a leading uh, digital wealth um, platform with over, in the bull run, I think it was around uh, $550 million uh, in AUM managed assets. We had, at, at the peak, I think we had around $250 million deployed into DeFi, um, about 90,000 plus active users. So, yeah, the ULAP's got a strong community. It's got, uh, you know, a, a reputation in the space. Uh, it's one of the main uh, iris models that we created. Uh, it's, uh, you know, allowed us to navigate through all the, um, the issues that... Uh, were uh, that became prevalent in 2022 where you know and celsius block fire all those ones kind of went down one by one we, we managed to survive so we, we do have kind of a, a stronger a stronger reliable reputation in this space um and yeah that's and we are leveraging both that tech, tech, technical expertise 
and the community that we built up from YieldApp to um, incubate uh, Haven One. So that's that's been a huge plus for us. Um, I think I read somewhere that the first thousand or first ten thousand users of any fintech or any you know blockchain um, company is the hardest to get. Um, one of the benefits we have is that YieldApp currently has over you know. 40,000 active users so we can already leverage that community to Haven one um, and that's you know that's going to be substantial for us on day one given that you know there's such it's such a competitive space right now uh, there's there's only so, so many people who uh, use blockchain um, I know the numbers are inflated on how many wallets are being used and how many you know transactions no one knows how many are bots but you, you would assume at least like 70 80 percent of the, 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 those new wallets every day are bots right um i i just don't i just can't imagine it's uh, uh new users are coming on chain every day so yeah it, it's uh the technical expertise and community from yield app it's going to be you know very very beneficial to us um also you know we, we recently announced a joint venture with uh coinback um coinback provides institutional grade assets management system uh, for you know all, all the big, big, big some of the big companies uh, such, such as Fortress and um, yeah so that means like the partnership that we bring in uh, with all the founding members and the team of the experts uh, from going back to Haven One allows us to kind of really work with all those uh, the bigger players big institutions to uh, deploy and you know validate on chain so it's been a you know that, that's going to be very beneficial for us for uh, in the long term as well. Um, we are, you know, there's, there's a number of entities that we've been speaking to slowly um, as we do build out, as we come closer to the Haven One testnet about, you know, trying to, uh, you know, discuss the benefits of Haven One. There's, there's been, you know, it, it's, it's something that a lot of people want to build on because of all the benefits and all the assurances, uh, the on-chain compliance that, that does come with uh, the entire product itself. So you talked a little bit about real-world asset tokenization. Do you have any plans to roll that out or any ideas as to what types of real-world assets it might work best with? Because I, I do think that's something important that a lot of people have tried to solve that uh, no one has really cracked, and I think you guys have a system that, that might be able to do it. So sorry, I, I lost you there. Oh, no worries. <laughs> um, I was just saying, I was wondering if... You had any plans to uh, launch the real-world asset tokenization with any specific products or specific items um, or companies that you think it might work best with? Yeah, so uh, one of the key ones that we're targeting is on-chain treasury bills. Uh, that's that's definitely a no-brainer at the moment, given the uh, significant demand and high yields um, yeah. uh, that that's associated with those, that product at the moment. I think, I mean, currently, if you look at convex curve uh, or, or, you know, a risk-free rate on Aave, risk-free rate, I use that in quote, you know, it, that's just what uh, Aave, um, uh, the, the borrowing lending rates that the, the stablecoin was, uh, you know, it's Aave is known as, it's actually much lower than the um, treasury bills, uh, the, the return on T-bills at the moment. So as you can, as you can um, imagine, there's always, there's, there will be a strong demand once that kind of product does come on chain. Uh, there's a couple of companies doing that at the moment. We're working with them as well. Um, it, it, it is something that we it, it'll take time to scale out because there's not just, you know, there's a liquidity issue in terms of bringing those on-chain, but also number of hurdles, regulatory hurdles. Uh, there's, but yeah, they've been working with a couple of partners who, who have, uh, you know, got, got the right uh, licenses and uh, the compliance uh, stuff already passed through. So that, that's something we are very strongly focused towards. 
Um, next is, of course, real estate. Um, tokenized real estate. Uh, it, it, it's very difficult to offer tokenized real estate on public blockchains because each country has a different rule on uh, who can buy their real estate, how real estate is distributed. Um, I'm in Australia, for example, like you can't, I mean, if you can't sell real estate or even tokenize real estate to um, certain foreign entities and they need to pass approvals. Um, so if an Australian company was to go on chain and sell us, you know, sell the tokenized real estate product, they would only be able to sell it to Australian um, you know, residents or Australian citizens uh, to start with. And that's something they can easily do on Haven One, for example, for example, like, you know, um, if they want to sell uh, the real estate to foreign entities or foreign, um, you know, uh, foreign, uh, just even foreign retail people, um, they need to pass like uh, certain uh, uh, permissions from uh, uh, the government, uh, that, which is a really long process. So having launching that kind of product on Haven One really just makes sense, given that they will be assured that I mean, they don't have to do their own checks and balances. Like that's something we can help them with. Uh, they'll be able to, like you know, easily able to whitelist Australian-only uh, uh, clients to uh, uh, access that kind of product. Um, yeah, and of course, you know, as you as you probably well aware in the space, a lot of people are trying to uh, bring um, uh, commodities, uh, equities, uh, and uh, you know, minerals, all, all all that sort of stuff on chain. So we're working with a, a strong European custodian to uh, assist assist that. Um, be essentially being the middleman who uh, custody those assets on chain for other products to build on top of them. Um, yeah, the custody parts in, in Europe is, is a really, really strong sticking factor. Um, anyone can build a product on chain, which, you know, buys and sells uh, synthetic uh, synthetic stocks or synthetic, uh, you know, uh, other tokens, gold tokens, whatever it is. But Getting those real world assets, having a custodian is very, very difficult. Very, very, you know, it's a very strong reg regulatory hurdle that they have to pass. Uh, yeah, we're working with one of the big, bigger players in Europe. Um, I'm not really able to mention names at the moment, but yeah, essentially, it's it's someone that who can hold and hold and hold all the digital assets. Uh, sorry, hold all the uh, the real world assets while uh, issuing digital assets on chain. So it's going to be, you know, that's one of the biggest. Um, Real assets going to be the biggest factors, and probably in the next bull run. To be honest, there's, there's already such a big hype factor around it, given that there's all this liquidity, all these like you know, all this value, which is um, in so-called real world assets, which dwarfs, I think, uh, the assets on chain by some you know some factor of thousands or you know ten thousand, whatever it is. Absolutely, I mean, so you talked a lot about the various regulatory landscapes that you're sort of dipping your toes into. When you're talking about you know launching with a small team, how have you sort of uh, determined where you're going to go first and how you're going to attack you know the global market when it's so differentiated across borders? Um, was it an easy decision, um, or did you have to learn a lot about it first? So currently, I mean, Haven One is registered in Switzerland. Um, we uh yeah it, it wasn't a super difficult decision to start with i mean we we had some discussions um uh you know on, on where we can kind of register our foundation as well as our company um there, there's always you know there's a number of options which were presented to us uh but in the end we chose switzerland um to you know for the um established the foundation and and also the home of the uh, the haven one dow 
Uh, Switzerland's, of course, you know, we own a renowned for their strong regulatory uh, reputation. And uh, it also, you know, also has a very flexible uh, legal framework that uh, suits blockchain projects. Uh, Zug, uh, I think it's it's the city of Zug, it's uh, becoming more and more of a hub for blockchain, uh, you know, becoming a global hub for the entire industry in, in that area. Uh, there's numerous um, institutions and crypto services which uh, I've registered there, moving over there. There's like, you know, there's, there's a lot of collaboration and opportunity. I've been wanting to get out there for a long time. It looks pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was a very intentional decision for us because we wanted to kind of show ourselves as a, as a uh, registered in a jurisdiction with a strong reputation. Uh, I mean, we could have chosen the uh, the easier route and registered in, uh, say, the Cayman Islands or um, Bahamas, and it would serve the same purpose at a lower cost and... But we, we really wanted to align ourselves with like a more reputable jurisdiction, which, you know, possesses a, um, like a robust legal, uh, legal system. And there's like more, I think there's more like transparency and requirements for transparency, uh, in Switzerland as compared to the uh, other jurisdictions that we kind of wanted to work in. Yep. That makes sense. So you mentioned the DAO briefly, could you maybe describe how that fits in and how you've set up governance for the organization? um and how you thought through that process so governance is still a work in progress um there's essentially gonna be three layers of governance which is the foundation the DAO, as well as the validators um we, we, we you know i'm a big on uh you know decentralizing governance whenever a, a blockchain does launch the reality is it's going to take a little bit of time to do so given that you know the it is a layer one blockchain when, when it launches it takes maybe at least a year for uh tokens to distribute, and that's just the reality of any kind of project. Um, it, it's been years and years of some other layer one blockchains, and it's still kind of, all, all the control is very still centralized. Um, the way I'm building out the framework is uh, taking, uh, you know, pages out of the Optimism model. So Optimism uh, has very strict roles for the DAO compared to the, you know, the uh, the uh, the foundation itself. Uh, there's, there's very, you know, there's a really good distributed, um, committee system we have where, where you know there's open committees which decide on grants there's uh, open committees which decide on uh public goods funding all that sort of stuff so uh yeah we are kind of trying to take as many pages out of the optimism model as well as anything else we kind of do like in in the other uh, frameworks um it is definitely a work in progress as i said uh it will be it, it i mean of course we're going to release all the papers and uh, everything else before launch ideally by the start of next year um we do want to make sure that there are very set uh, responsibilities uh, so everyone knows what they're getting into. Um, ideally, you know, ideally if we can get to a stage where um, tokens are distributed enough uh, that there is enough decentralization that, that benefits everyone, not just the token holders itself, but of course the foundation as well as, uh, you know, anyone who wants to build on-chain because um, it loosens up the uh, regulatory requirements if a uh, you know if a company is uh, you know decentralized so that's something that we are definitely going to you know target uh rather than you know just kind of say it out loud because it is actually beneficial in the, in the from a regulatory standpoint yep yep absolutely um so who would you say your biggest competitors are and how would you say you're planning to compete with them so like I said, I think earlier in the show, we're not competing or we're not aiming to compete with any other public blockchains because they don't really have the same sort of frameworks or the, uh, I suppose the guardrails that we have. So I, I wouldn't 
yeah, I would never say we're, we're competing with Ethereum or Solana or Binance Smart Chain because they all kind of do something which is very different to what we are trying to do. Um, there's some, I think there are some um, blockchains which are building a uh, proof of identity framework, you know, uh, or like verification on chain, and they'll be the main competitors for us. So I think there's like a layer two called Kinto uh, or Building on Optimism. It's kind of doing a very similar kind of um, thing that we're, we're doing. Um, uh, I haven't, I mean, there's, uh, they have, they're, I mean, they're still not live yet, so I can't be sure exactly how they're building their uh, framework out, but. Uh, I've been following them a little bit. This is a tidbit of updates here and there. Same with like, you know, there's a couple of other blockchains such as Concordium, uh, not really sort of super well known. Uh, they're, they're also pre-launched. Uh, I mean, they, they seem to be doing kind of like a on-chain verification system as well. So yeah, it's, uh, you know, at, at this stage, there isn't really any blockchain which is launched and become, um, I suppose, uh, uh, gathered that much interest um, on the verification kind of, uh, with on-chain verification. So we're keen to see how the space evolves. Um, there's definitely gonna be quite a few that are building. Um, so it's always, you know, interesting to see the different approaches people take. Um, as you know, like you know, there's, there's a lot of liquidity outside of uh, the current blockchain ecosystem. So there's enough for everyone to go around. Yep, absolutely. So when it comes to attracting some of that outside liquidity, you know, what is the pitch to BlackRock that gets them over the line? Um, and how do you even get to the point uh, where you're in touch with them? <laughs> if you're, you know, another uh, crypto entrepreneur and you're like, man, it'd be great to run my idea past BlackRock. How do you even go about that? <laughs> We've actually had a couple of calls with them for a while back um, when we were managing the DeFi fund at Yield App. You know, our CIO from uh, Yield App, uh, Lucas, he's ex-UBS. He's, uh, you know, he's worked in the... Uh, the track by uh, um, finance, um, you know, system for a long time. So, you know, he's connected us up with all, all these uh, institutions and look, it's, they've got a lot of people, they've got an entire floor of um, people interested in digital, like, you know, working in digital asset space. So BlackRock's not that far from deploying on chain. It's just, they just need some, you know, <laughs> things to go in, the, in their favor in terms of the regulation and the, you know, the, what it's allowed, whatnot, because like, they're not going to publicly start deploying on Ethereum. Like, let's be fair, like it's, there's too much risk for them. Uh, there's too much counterpart, you know, not just uh, risk as an exploit, you know, risk of uh, hacks and exploits and things, but also the counterparty risk. Like, uh, remember when the tornado cash thing happened, the OFAC sanctions came in, anyone who interacted with anyone who interacted with tornado cash uh, users, they, they got pinged. Um, so how can BlackRock ever deploy on in Ethereum or, or like, you know, put mon funds in uh, stablecoin pool on Aave? Uh, because they just don't know who the other counterparty is, right? So uh, it they have this issue right now that they just can't deploy on public blockchains. And I don't think that's ever going to change because given that they're so connected with the US government, for example, you know, same with other, same with a lot of other funds. Um, funds which work with the you know, European Central Bank or, you know, the, uh, you know, the um, Bank of England, whatever. Like, they can't be seen mixing funds with people who don't adhere with the, or comply with the AML um, requirements. So... Um, I suppose the, the more permissioned blockchains which come on online, such as Haven One or, you know, JP Morgan's own blockchain that they've built and whatever, um, th that's, I think, what the big factor will be. And it'll take a while to establish these as, uh, you know, a safe haven and things. But yeah, I think that's, that's re the reality is like they won't be just deploying on chain. They can deploy, I mean, they can create their own blockchains as well and deploy funds on them. But it's, it's, it's one of those things where 
it's difficult for them to kind of you know deploy in this current scenario uh, given, given the prevalent issues that we've had for so long makes sense so given that a lot of this is based on kyc and identification how do you feel about the current kyc systems i had a company previously where we had you know a few thousand people come in with fake documents fake everything <laughs> get through our system and you know take a lot of money so i don't have a lot of faith in the existing kyc systems um, how do you feel about those and do you feel like apple's new you know uh, id management feature and some of these other new products that are coming out might solve some of those uh, some of those gaps yeah um i suppose on chain verification or you know uh, i found that the um the liveliness test is pretty good generally. Um, to be fair, I'm, I'm not a huge uh, uh, expert on how um, every, each company does diff different ones. Like the one we use for Yield App, that they, they've you know they, we've had no issues with them for four years, kind of thing. And they do liveliness checks. They do kind of uh, a more strict uh, management system. Um, I know there was, there was a lot of like uh, what was it. Um, Worldcoin, I think it's three okay. months, three months, four months ago, there was a lot of kind of uh, talk about how they're doing it. And it was, um, yeah. you know, uh, live, like a uh, eyeball verification and how that can be, can be gamed. Um, I, I don't, I don't see how people don't keep building on that technology. Uh, it might not be ready right now, but uh it might sound a bit dystopian, but I, I just don't see how we don't go more in that direction. Um, Would you like, see WorldCoin as a competitor or a partner? <laughs> um, I think they have a lot of issues. Uh, I wouldn't, you know, I think they've done a great job in, in marketing and getting the right, you know, money behind them. I, I wouldn't, I suppose if they provide the verification services, we, we can see them as a partner in the future. Uh, at this stage, I think the technology is too nascent. I I wouldn't I wouldn't kind of use what Worldcoin tech to verify users on chain for Haven One, given that that sort of stuff so new and it's based on the you know based on those things as issues that they're having behind the scenes and um, yeah I, I wouldn't I can't really comment on what's going on there. We supposed to all like you know things you hear on Twitter or just uh, news articles which aren't really verified. Um, yeah, I, I mean, if they provide a verification system which is proven, it's battle tested. Um, yeah, we definitely would see them as a partner. Um, it's just one of those things where if if we're building a chain which a USB is safeguarded ecosystem reliability compliance, I would want to use tried and tested methods. Something which is stood the you know is is already up and functioning. It's it's stood the test of time. Uh, rather than trying out new technology, but that doesn't mean we can can't use uh, both. Uh, you know, uh, both can't coexist, and we, we you know we can kind of phase in and out the uh, the new 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 tech or whatever ideas we do like. Um, yeah, but I think this eyeball verification stuff. I think that's definitely it. Seems to be the direction that people will go in. Um, I, I don't know your thoughts on it to be honest but <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think it definitely could i hope i hope we don't go with sam sam yeah. altman's company but uh <laughs> yeah. i'm sure either that or the uh the palm print or the fingerprint or something they'll, they'll get one of them one of them for us um, yeah but it is a so, scary it, 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 it is, is a scary kind of thing isn't it like i mean um people selling their you know uh verification ids and uh you know biometric data for Twenty thirty dollars. It's a bit. Yeah, it's getting yeah. 
I am. I'm looking forward to the Apple, honestly, ID verification. I think that one will be really solid. It'll be good enough that police officers are going to use it. So I think if you can just slot that into a lot of these KYC services, it's going to take out a lot of the growing pains and might even be for, you know, Tinder. You actually get verified profiles and you know, <laughs> a lot less bots, you know, it might be the whole internet gets a little cleansing of bots once that happens. So I'm, uh, I'm pretty excited for that. Um, so as far as what you're excited about, what are the big next things in the pipeline for Haven One? Do you have any upcoming milestones you're excited to complete or anything you want to tell people to keep a lookout for? Yeah, so I mean, we're very close to our public test net. Uh, that's probably the biggest milestone that we'll have in the you know entire development cycle. Um, it's been, you know, it's it hasn't been without its uh, ups and downs, the, uh, the initial, you know, ideally... Given that we are working with new technology, you know, we're creating a uh, public permission blockchain. It's and through the GoCorum tech, it's uh, yeah, it's 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 been uh, it's been a journey. Um, we are very close to finally releasing that uh, public testnet, and there's there's a lot of people we want to kind of show the testnet to and get the, get developers on the testnet. So the next few months, um, once the testnet's released, uh, the most exciting part is the all the developer outreach because you know there's a lot of people being. A lot of our partners, a lot of our um, the, the dev houses that we've spoken to and projects have been waiting for that public testnet so they can deploy, play around in it, and then we can finally uh, start to kind of co-market, co build some communities together. So that's the most exciting part for me. Um, you know, we want to run a we want to run a uh, Haven One hackathon. I think uh, at the end of November as well. So it'll be an online hackathon and then the in-person hackathon next year. So yeah, a lot of uh, dev activity happening. Um, that's probably the most exciting part, getting more, more and more people involved in the Haven One test net, also just, you know, the Haven One communities in general. It's very difficult to do so when it's only a private test net right now, if you know what I mean. Like, it's the, the, when you have something to show people, something for people to play around in, and finally, like, you know, understand how it all works together, you get a lot more interest. Um, it's, it's better for us as well, like, you know, more, of course, more work for us, but also just better for us to... Uh, do some outreach and uh, explain to everyone how it works, to just do some demonstrations, all, all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, the next three to six months are super, super exciting for us um, in terms of, uh, you know, showcasing our tech and uh, getting uh, a lot of our partners onboarded. And that's super exciting. So is there anywhere that you want to start to build your community? Do you guys have, you know, your Twitter and your other, uh, you know, Discord? If you have any of those, it'd be awesome if you could just uh, let people know where to find them. Yeah, so I think uh, you can follow all of our updates through Twitter. So that's uh, you know just um, uh, ha uh, at Haven One Official. So uh, at H A V N One Official, um, you can follow. You know we have a Discord community as well as well as Telegram. Discord's probably the easiest way to come chat to us. I'm pretty active on there as well. So yeah, all, all the updates can be followed through there. We've got uh, you know ongoing Zilli and Galaxy campaigns uh, for people who want to kind of uh, start uh, building up a. Uh, uh, you know, a uh, uh, score on, the, on on those apps. Um, it, it, yeah, I think we are sort of building to what, coming to that point where we do uh, have activities and uh, things for people to do on chain on our incentivized test net. So it's, it's kind of a good time to join, good time to kind of get involved and kind of learn more about what we're doing. And that sounds great. Well, I encourage you guys all to check it out, see how the testnet's going, and uh, continue to follow along with their progress. Thank you so much for coming on, and uh, we'll be sure to have you back to uh, check up on how things are going in a little bit. Great. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. Thank you so much.